Welcome to Well Examined, the podcast where science and discovery meet intuition and wellness with your host, Christine Dynes. Each episode, I'll chat with the best minds in integrative epigenetic health, biohacking, neuroscience, quantum healing, and lifestyle design, as well as a slew of reputable citizen scientists across all facets of wellness. Welcome, friends. Today, we're joined by Dan DeBond, the inventor and founder of Defender Shield. Dan is an internationally recognized expert in EMF radiation and shielding and EMF-related health issues with a special focus on the effects of exposure from mobile devices such as laptops, tablets, and cell phones. What I especially love about Dan's research is that he discusses the impact EMFs have on kids' health, and you all know I'm especially partial to kids' health. And exceptionally passionate about what parents can realistically do to protect their kids and their families from the different forms of EMF radiation in their homes, schools, and environments. Uh, I met Dan this past September in Florida, Upgrade Labs Conference, and I'm really excited to have him on. Uh, we just hit it off and we immediately started you know, down the science trajectory and then brought it back to how people are living and communing today and how we want to just live these amazing, beautiful lives and how we're going to mitigate all of that. So Dan, welcome. Thank you for being here with us today. Christine, thanks so much for inviting me. I I really do appreciate you uh, uh, inviting me to chat with your listening base. Um, I'm always excited about the subject matter. And uh, I do recall we you are as well excited about these kinds of subjects. So I'm excited about our chat today. Well, I've always been a very sensitive person. So before we had the technology, I knew something was up, right? Before we um, had all of the, uh, you know, research-based, evidence-based mitigation technology that you obviously have been into for uh, several decades. So I am really personally and professionally excited here because a lot of my, you know, um, clients, a lot of people listening are also very sensitive and we want to use those sensitivities to our benefit, Right. So, Christine, do you know more than uh, more than twenty percent of the population is in some form electromagnetic hypersensitive? Yes. And of that, of that, eighty percent are women. Yeah, that and we don't know why. Here. Well, tell me what the burning question is for every listener. Always, okay. Here's what well-examined people want to know: What's your ikigai? What is your passion? Like, you know, what really brought you, and what's your personal story here? Um, like, where has it brought you to where you are now? Because you've been a part of so much innovation since you've been doing this. For much of my career, I, I worked in telecommunications and I ran the technical laboratories and developed the standards for the bell system uh, in the digital space I live in. So I had a lot of experience, uh, about the technology that, uh, was evolving for years and years, um, about, 11, 12 years ago, maybe a little bit more, uh, my sons who were adult men were sitting with their laptops on their lap. My wife says, and she's a social worker, that can't be good for my, having grandchildren. <laughs> and, and I, and I, and I left and I said, the, the, the power levels of, of the transmissions that are around that uh, the self, the laptop, it's just insufficient to be able to penetrate anything, including the cells of the body. 
Um, and so, but, but you know, I, I never thought about it much because my job was really to sort of test technologies and evolve those technologies. So I was never figure out how it interferes with people. It was always figure out what it does to other technologies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started looking into it a little bit and I was sort of surprised. Back then, there was an awful lot of data, but yet I didn't know about it. And I knew many, many others didn't know about it. And even at that time, after three to four hours, we knew that the male sperm, uh, 25% of the male sperm is immobile on the average. And there were several studies that talked about it. With a female, it turns out that there was a very large study back then that talked about um, tumor Two percent of the population uh, had tumor in the groin area, um, and and of that, um, a very small percentage became cancerous. So I, I was sort of really, really surprised. Um, it was like a really quite eye opening, and so um, because of my background, I I, I st- began looking at the science side of it, the research side of it as well as sort of the technology side of it. And um, as a result, I, I, built, I built my sons a, a pad that prevented the signals and electronics from passing through to the groin area. And um, we, we, we said we'd build a thousand of them uh, and their friends wanted them, their friends' friends wanted them. And all of a sudden I got involved in creating products that actually shielded a body from the emissions of electromagnetic radiation from the devices from us. And you got to remember, Christine, you know, 20 years ago, none of this stuff existed around us. It wasn't around us. And as I know, you know, the body takes many, many, many years to modify itself to deal with the existing environment. Um, and, And so uh, what we began, what we began seeing from the research was that there was impact, and there was changes to the human body that needed to be talked about. And so um, I started with the laptop protection, and I read an article about a a, a, a parents that had a child, sixteen year old child, they bought a cell phone for in the peak of health when they got it. And uh, a little over a year later, she died of her frontal lobe cancer. Now, that, that is anecdotal. There is no clear statistical evidence that that means anything to anybody. But to me, it was important because I knew I could stop that signal yeah, from passing enough. through. Mm-hmm. Sim- simple thing. So that's when I started looking at other ways of doing that and on and on and on. And then after a couple of years, I, I, I realized the gap between science and all the research and the technical community and the medical community, it didn't exist. They were all silos. So yeah. my son and I wrote a book, uh, Radiation Nation. Which I love. And all I did, uh, thank you. It was simple. I wrote it for grandmas. I didn't write it for a technical engineer to read and understand what the problem was. All we simply did is said, this is the research. This is what their findings are. This is what you can do to help yourself in this environment. And um, if you want to learn more, give us a buzz. It was like, we tried to be as simple as possible and try to, it's like, you know, why is the potentially the cell phone 
potentially a danger for us. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's think about it. Um, the, the standard was created over 30 years ago by the FCC, and it was to um, protect the user from a cell phone. As a side note, 30 years ago, <laughs> if you had a cell phone, you couldn't call anybody because none of your friends could afford it. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Oh, I remember. <laughs> right, exactly. And if you did, it was a big brick and it was really difficult to carry around with you. So oh, those things were uh, huge. Yeah, they were huge. And you and you and you really were only on it for minutes at a time. Um, fast forward to today, you're on it all day. So the standard was created over 30 years of when those phones were in play. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it turns out that they took six foot males in the military and they looked at modeling what a penetration of 1.6 watts per kilogram would do to the brain. And what they decided, they would allow the signals that went to the head by one to two inches and everyone would be safe. But you know what? That represents about 3% of the population. Mm-hmm. How about women? You, you give your six-year-old uh, six child a cell phone to call the grandma, and they're using it not for two minutes, three minutes. It's for an hour, half an hour, whatever it may be. And the signal that they created for a six-foot male going one to two inches goes into the head of a child all the way through. And so if you think about it a little bit, what, what you have is a thermal emitting microwave signal from a cell phone penetrating a child's head. I use use thermographic imaging in my private practice. It's just, it's staggering at this point. Yeah, yeah, you you will see it with that, right? You absolutely will. Because it's thermal. But, 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 But Christine, do you know all the... Almost everything you see in research, and there's thousands and thousands of studies over the years, including uh, government uh, studies, National Toxicity Program, and they show evidence of the the dangers. And what's interesting about that, none of it is thermal. It's all biological. It's what happens to the cell over time. It's not what happens to a cell when it gets heated up by two degrees. You're looking at when a thermal image of a child using a phone. You didn't have a brick. I didn't have a brick. No. 30 years ago. And I became an adult when I began using it. But a child six years old uses it their entire life. No one knows what that really ultimately means. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, so you're saying you started the company because you wanted to have grandchildren, basically. <laughs> and by the way, Christine, I don't have grandchildren still. What? How dare they yeah. not give you grandchildren yet? I'll tell you, this series, I fixed the problem. They still didn't listen to me. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. Well, I mean, this really resonates with everybody here because so many of my, uh, you know, my listeners in my private practice, I work in multi-generational uh, epigenetics, right? So right. all of these listeners, they consider themselves, um, you know, citizen scientists too. So I've been crowdsourcing all these questions as it pertains to a lot of the studies that you mentioned in your book. Uh, you know, a lot of my clients were at Upgrade this year, or I buy your book and give it to my clients because you know what? These kids, they're spending time with their grandparents. Uh, right. you know, exactly what you're talking about. This is what's happening in the real world. So that's why I wanted to get some of these questions from people. So let me start off 
with asking you this. And I know you've answered this a hundred times in other places, but let's talk about it here. So, you know, a lot of my people listening, they already own your technology. I have the, you know, the laptop pad. A lot of people have that too. Mm -hmm. Um, But you and I have previously discussed questions from consumers about where radiation travels once it's directed away from their devices while using their products, right? So when I I asked you about this, you know, you had replied, you know, something that I expected to hear. You said most EMF detection devices being used in homes, um, even by many professionals, they're not calibrated in a way that will offer these accurate enough readings. So, you know, I feel like we need to lay this discussion to rest in some sort of way. How can you speak to that? Um, as you may recall, uh, Christine, I'm not a fan of beaters because people <laughs> don't use them correctly. They begin panicking that they're in serious trouble. And it and and the calibration, when I used test labs, I had calibration every year on all my equipment. That way I knew what I saw, I was real. Um, these things are orders of magnitude and error sometimes. And it depends on the the, the, the device and the, the, how much it costs and how precise it will be. Uh, and so my, my coaching has always been just be aware of your surroundings. Um, take a look at where the sources are. First, for example, like a cell phone, you have like three or four transmitters out of a cell phone. You have your Wi-Fi, you have your Bluetooth, you have the cell phone, and you have your, the GPS. Um, do you need them all when you're using them? You have four signals potentially transmitting into the head when you use it on a cell phone. It's dizzy. Do you need them all? <laughs> no. I use wow. just the cell phone, right? The other ones I just turn off. I don't need them. Um, and and so meters are helpful um, uh, if you're trying to understand the R of space. But if you're trying to understand the electricity electromagnetic radiation, the AC in your wall. That's different. Those meters typically, RF meters won't receive that even. So you're really better off trying to figure out where the sources are and then making sure you put distance, you, Wi-Fi, you, you, know, you can use wires. There's a lot of ways of reducing the exposures and it doesn't necessarily require a meter to figure it out. So you're really saying people need to get more basic. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. Don't panic about it. It's like, it's basic stuff. You know, like 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 in a bedroom, and, I, and we maybe have talked about this, uh, a wall, the wire in a wall is generating uh, milligauss uh, power coming out of the walls, radiating our, uh, um, 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 the stuff that's coming out of the wall is electromagnetic radiation. And it can be a lot and it can disrupt your sleep. So when you have a, a, a headboard against your wall and power is running through that, uh, those cables, it will potentially interfere with your sleep just as much as an RF signal um, from a cell phone or from a laptop or wireless router. Um, so it's all about trying to understand your environment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, being in epigenetics, I'm always talking about the minutia and all these different variables, et cetera. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, sometimes you've got these meters and they're accounting for things that they don't even know that they're accounting for. So right, exactly. It's really important to consider. Yeah, absolutely. And they're panicking about what they see. Yeah. And there's no panic involved. They're, they're safe. Most places can be easily safe. Uh, 
with the simple things you can do around the house, you, you can live pretty safely. So speaking of, um, you know, epigenetics, in my practice, I'm working with people pre and post conception, uh, you know, as much as possible. But let's face it, you know, a lot of people don't learn about EMFs until after they become parents. So as you know, enhancing, you know, and protecting neuroimmunological development, I mean, it's everything for infants and young children. And you, you know, you started talking about this in the beginning of the discussion, but can you talk a little bit more about how, um, you know, EMFs in general, not just from- I, I, I absolutely will. Um, and you are absolutely right. Um, pre and post is like the whole cycle is affected by electromagnetic radiation. Mm -hmm. I, I'll tell you a story. When I wrote the book, um, I, I sent the book for review to Dr. Prasad. He's oh, yeah. probably the most, yeah, brilliant, brilliant man. And he's probably one of the first x-ray guys in the country. Uh, he had vast experience. And I, and I mentioned to him that if you have a, a teenage girl that puts a cell phone in her back pocket and the cell phone's transmitting, it's hitting the egg. It can mutate that cell. And that mutated cell, 10 years later, can conceive a child. And that child has a mutated cell. He, he said, that's probably not true. I said, well, there's science that shows that's true. Yeah. And then he, then he said, um, um, well, okay. Uh, uh, two years later, he calls me up and he said, I had a, a patient come in. She had a child and she was a high tech lady and she had multiple mutated cells and the child and the child passed away almost immediately. And he said, I didn't believe you then. Now I do. Oh, so it's, it's prenatal. It's before the child was born mm -hmm. and there was potentially some evidence. And here's another study since down in San Francisco, I think it was a couple of years ago, four years ago or so. Um, they, they, they gave a bunch of women who just got pregnant a meter and they said, walk around and check where you are all the time. Um, what they found in the study was that you were three times more likely to have a miscarriage in your first trimester when you're exposed to higher levels of radiation. And, and so that was not statistically significant. In other words, they didn't use 10,000 women, but it's an indicator. There was some evidence that showed that that when there was exposure, there was three times more likelihood of uh, of a miscarriage, and that's that ADHD. Um, um, uh, there are various um, conditions that are associated um, from the womb exposure uh, to. to a child and its growth. Um, uh, and so um, Alzheimer's is an example, uh, not Alzheimer's, uh, what is it, um, for children? Um, oh, autism. Yeah, autism, yes. Mm -hmm. And th 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 there are some studies that I've seen that show a correlation between exposures. And so it may or may not be true. But, you know, honestly, Christine, why would you take a chance? Yeah, why would you take the chance? I mean, I'm constantly looking at all of these tipping points. Uh, you know, I see the mother and father's genetic data, right? And they want to know, well, why, you know, why does this look like this? Okay, we talk about, you know, what's informed your familial history. 
you know, and then they're sitting there and they're talking about, well, I go to work every day in the hospital, you know, and the, the wife will be pregnant. And I immediately go, okay, well, you know, without even looking at any of your current genetic variations, I guarantee you that your electromagnetic exposure is altering, uh, you know, your genetic responses. I don't need yeah. to look at anything specific to know that. And then of course, you know, for the people that need to know, uh, you know, we do, we dive in and we look at it and hopefully they're concerned enough before uh, they have baby number two, et cetera. And we can do some cleanup work, but it's just, yeah. Why would you want to roll the dice with that? Right. Yeah, exactly. Why, why would you want to do that? You know, um, many in the scientific community call talk about oxidative stress. Yeah. There's also um, um, calcium uh, channel um, uh, penetration of a cell. Oh, talk about this. You and I talked about yeah. a little upgrade. I love it. Yeah. Um, uh, Dr. Powell and, and many others talk about the cell breakdown where as a result of a signal, a cell phone emission, a, uh, electromagnetic radiation exposures, that the cell weakens and calcium channel penetrates the cell, mutate, and ultimately through a lot of chemical stuff breaks out at the end with a mutated or DNA damage cell. Um, and, and they talk about within three generations, we're not going to have, have any humans because that's the kind of exposure. They don't understand statistics. Um, you know, every child that can bore children in the future are not going to have a mutated cell as a result of exposure. It just won't happen. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the stuff that really is important is um, is the oxidative stress. I hate oxidative stress, by the way. The name oxidative stress. Oh, they talk okay. about yeah. yeah, because they say it's the imbalance of antioxidants and and uh, free radicals, right? Um, and and it, it's much much more. And I'm getting to the point you were actually making a moment ago. It's <laughs> the, the the cell itself it has a spontaneous response to any external um, influence, uh, but whether it be chemical, whether it be hit, if you get hit with a hammer, the body responds, the cell responds. Uh, Dr. Navio talks about that as held danger response. And that is truly um, a metabolic response to, uh, to an event. And the body doesn't make it up for all different things. It, 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 that's the general response. That it's in and of itself changes the chemical responses in the body, and it does disrupt natural patterns. In fact, um, when you have a, uh, when you're in CDR, a cell danger response, mm-hmm. you are you are you are, the metals in your body don't flush out of the body. They, for They're some down. reason, they get stored, right? And so those are disruptive challenges that happens to the body when there's exposures and some of the modern discussions by Dr. Navio sort of tries to flush that out. And you just um, literally explained epigenetics, you know, 101, you gave such a great example. And one of my other colleagues you met over at Upgrade, Dr. Drobot, you know, he practiced, yes. he practices yes. biological medicine and he just makes it akin to um, you know, we've gotten ourselves to this point where you have to tear down the house and you know, <laughs> re- it's like what's in the soil and then rebuilding from the foundation up. And, uh, you know, this concept of building better biology. And I keep reminding people 
oh, you know, your cells are listening to every little whisper and yeah. if you don't, you know, if you don't pay attention, it's, it's right. like going to become a megaphone. Yeah. And it, it can, it can cripple you. You can be, I know uh, some patients that have actually gone into a clinic in a wheelchair and they worked in really, really high electromagnetic radiation environments and the cells just stopped functioning and they didn't do their job. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to that, by the way, and I'm not sure we spoke about this, electromagnetic radiation, it suppresses your immune. And so um, when you have your environment that has high levels of electromagnetic radiation, your immune system um, actually is diminished. Um, Dr. Ali Johansson specialized in this for years and years and actually shows the mechanical breakdown of the cells as a result of it. But it's like, so like your immune system being impacted and that's not so good. Your sleep may be disrupted and the recovery of your body from night to day is not happening because of those exposures. So it becomes, as you know, a vicious cycle. Um, And you really have to understand where you are and try to disrupt that cycle so your health improves. Well, you know, you've got everybody staying indoors, so they're not activating their eyes with light and having nutrition from light. And you and I could talk all day about how, uh, you know, people are so deficient in omega-3 fatty acids or the right ones, they're high quality. Um, But, you know, let's face it, the FCC isn't exactly doing parents any favors. They're not setting, um, you know, any kind of realistic exposure standards. Uh, And I, you know, have a note here. It's called the SAR standard. Is that right? Yes, it is the SAR. Yes. And that's where you talk about how all this, it's just kind of like the outdated medical model. You know, we're basing it on a six foot tall man. Right. That's exactly (laughs) right. That's exactly what happened. Right. And and, and, and we know so much more. It just, it really, it blows me away. I mean, this is why, uh, you know, as more and more data begins to emerge and parents establish more stake in the game, schools have got to um, get back to hardwiring their environments. Are you seeing this with any of your clients? Are you consulting to more innovative or STEM-based schools? Yeah, Yeah, actually, um, by the way, you mentioned Omegas. Dr. Navio actually did several studies and he tried to find basic functions of the body that could benefit from treatments, one of which was omega. Um, and so uh, it gives your body the ability to re- be resilient in an environment. And it goes after inflammation. It's a very, very fundamental thing it does. Yet, it's been associated with improving Alzheimer's. It's been associated with improving uh, pain. There's a lot of benefits people talk about in science from the omegas. And so that's one of those things, Christine, that one of those very simple things to do that actually offsets our current environment. Oh, just because they've got all these clients in the upper Northeast and their families came from the old country. And, and, you know, and what do they have? in abundance of the omega-3s. Right, (laughs) exactly. And then you've you've got all these ancestors, they... you know, they were fine, but then they send their kids off to what, go through the industrial revolution and then, oh boy. Right. So, yeah. okay, let me let the cat, the cat out of the bag. Tell everybody how you're launching um, this incredible Omega-3. 
Uh, well, I, I don't like to talk about frogs, but 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 I will. Um, I, actually, I, I started, uh, Christine, you may remember, I thought it was the gut that made us susceptible to electromagnetic radiation. Yes. And I began looking there as the source of the challenge, which I could help fix with maybe a gut product that could help. So um, I, I started there, but then I ended up from actually Navio's work with uh, Omega, but I knew that the Omega had to be a very clean Omega that doesn't oxidize in processing, doesn't use chemicals to cut out the, uh, the, the, the within the processes of creating uh, the uh, Omegas. Uh, and, 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 and it had to be pure. It turns out that, and I don't know if we talked about this, but the level of omega you take typical on the marketplace is probably half, if not more, less than it should be to yeah. be effective. Mm -hmm. It's not effective because it's not enough of it. And so one of the things I did was I wanted to, from science, I actually found there were optimal uh, batch uh, uh, doses that would be most effective for the body. And I had a hip replacement uh, recently. I had an you accident. You mentioned battery. that, I think. Yeah, I, I had a hip replacement. And I, uh, I, I, I took my omegas, which I took four a day, and I took 12 a day. Within three weeks, I was walking without a pain. Oh, it went after the inflammation. That's what it did. <laughs> That's incredible. That's awesome. Yeah. You're not exactly a sit around kind of guy to begin with. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> but but my, so my my point is there are things you can do and 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 you should look for the, the right kinds of things to help. Um, but to answer your question that you asked before, yes, I, I, I do actually talk with clinician, believe it or not. I, I was talking with a clinician one time. And he was telling me that his um, one of his teammates had dry eye. And I said, well, what's it from? Do you know? <laughs> and and they said, not really. So we, what we've been doing for the last five years is we give a wet eye drops. And, you know, it's been pretty effective. So as, as you may know, Christine, uh, dry eye is a symptom of blue light mm -hmm. from the, the from the monitors we use every day. And so I, I sent him a pair of blue light glasses and I and I said, have her use these for a little bit and see what happens. Nice. Within within two hours, her eyes went wet. Oh my gosh. It's just it, it is like day and night when you start using them. Everybody says right. you can't not notice a difference. That's so yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And 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 by the way, what's also associated with the blue light from the mirror is premature macular degeneration. Mm -hmm. So, so you've got to be careful about constantly using your monitor without some protection of some sort. Limited time, uh, use blue light blocking glasses, um, but be careful because there is a long-term potential impact. Not so good at uh, impact either. Well, you and I both know that um, humans are bad at the long game, right? They just want yeah, right, everything exactly. short term. <laughs> It's yeah, it is. I've been, uh, you know, whenever I'm kind of meditating, I take the last few minutes to just kind of be like a kid and go somewhere in my imagination. That's fun. And I was like, what about starting a company that has a lifetime 
prescription box, right? That has like this graduated set of tools that you use generation by generation. I mean, we're at that point, I feel like. When we started, I I mentioned that, you know, you had a lot of uh, computers and, and a bunch of telephone stuff for years and years and years around us, but it was never in our pockets. And today we have it in our pockets. So the exposures are are maximized with those devices in our pockets. And our body hasn't figured out how to deal with it. And it does have consequence. Well, um, yeah, I mean, it does have a consequence. And you know, I'm a data-driven person, but look, it only takes my common sense to know uh, right. You know what we've talked about before, headaches, nosebleeds, attention, right. focus right. issues. Uh, I mean, this is not a healthy trend in adults. Right. You and I both obviously see, you know, the hypersensitivity on yeah. the rise, you know, besides take the AirPods out of your skull, you know, what are you telling these younger tech career driven people with right. some of the highest exposures or people who work in hospitals, you know, what, yeah. do you, what are you, what are you telling them? Christine, thank you for talking about that. Uh, the, the ears, it, the, these things you put that wirelessly work with your Bluetooth and your cell phone. Oh, my gosh. So crazy. <laughs> it, it's like, it's crazy. Do you, so a cell phone generates 1.6 watts per kilogram. That's the power level. Bluetooth is um, about um, three or four watts per kilogram. Okay. Kilo, uh, milliwatts. So it takes 15 times less power level of a cell phone, one watt per kilogram to disrupt the cell. (laughs) So when you have those things in your ear, they're three watts per kilogram and they're passing through your head because that's how they give you the stereo uh, and some of the devices that are on the market. And that takes dot one watts, not dot three watts, dot one watt to disrupt the cell. And that's science. We know that through studies that maybe 20 years ago, we knew that. So um, it, it's when, you, when you, you're at risk when you take that technology um, and use it heavily. If you're using it only for minutes at a time, it's not a big deal. But when you're using it for long-term use, it can potentially create serious problems. Well, you know, it's just going to reduce your uh, human sensitivities to the world, which, you know, we forget are kind of our superpowers too. You've got these things just nesting in your ears all day and tunes you out to other things that you need to be naturally paying attention to. So just think of these things on the more basic level. Um, yes. You know, it, it makes me think about how you're going to have to get into a conversation with Elon about Neuralink one of these days. <laughs> oh my goodness. You don't want me to talk about that. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about uh, that another time. Yeah. At another time. Uh, let's change the subject about um, uh, sleep. Yeah. Um, I, I know that's, on the top of your list mm-hmm. as being important. I was on a podcast with a very, very bright lady. And I said, your bedroom needs to be a sanctuary. You have to remove all toxins in that room. 
the gas of gasoline that's open, you should remove that. That is a carcinogenic, a, um, a probable carcinogenic, but so is Wi-Fi. So when you have a Wi-Fi in your room, or you have a cell phone in your room, you have a laptop in your room and they're transmitting, that's potential carcinogenic and disrupting sleep. Um, and so let's start with the beginning of what disrupts sleep. Blue light is when you're looking at a monitor, your tablet, for example, or your, your iPad, and there's blue light coming in. The blue light is telling your inside the eye that it's still light out. So let's, let's not go to sleep yet. And by the way, let's not create melatonin. Yeah, exactly. You just hold it. Yeah. And there's a little uh, switch, cryptochrome switch, uh, cryptochrome protein, actually. And it's the little switch that goes on and off. So when you're looking at that, the blue light's saying, keep the switch on. We don't have to turn it off yet, so let the melatonin work. So, so all of a sudden, you want to go to sleep when you've finished looking at your iPad, and you can't. You can't. That's because the cycle hasn't started to create the sleep pattern you're looking for. Um, so it only it all begins there, and it just continues. Um, in 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 serious cases, which we know from from some clinics we work with that the cell phone on your, your table next to the bed is literally interfering with the brain pattern in your, of your, your, your brain. Oh, it's um, level with people's heads too. Yeah, because it's so close and it's, and, it's, and uh, there are cases where you're sleeping at night and you're actually walking during the day from a wave pattern and vice versa. Deltas working mm-hmm. at the wrong time, in other words. And so it disrupts those functions and you can't repair. So if your body's been exposed during the day and microcardial needs to be, the microcardial function needs to be improved without a circadian rhythm, your body won't recover. So it, it's a, a sick, cyclic um, a condition that um, it makes it worse and worse. So I told this lady, get everything out of your, your bed. And she was very polite and she said, Oh, thank you so much for that information. I'll share that, right? She called me She called me back in two weeks and she said, my husband and I took our cell phones out. We're sleeping now. Aww, that's so <laughs> A simple funny. thing, awesome. right? Yeah. Yeah, simple stuff. Just, just be aware of your environment, that's all. Actually, I talk about that as uh, bees in the room. The, the way you um, can deal with your environment is think about uh, one bee um, won't kill you unless you're allergic. A thousand will. So the idea is get rid of all the bees. And a cell phone has three bees, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, and cell, cell tower. And the more you have, the worse it is. Simply remove the bees, turn them off, move them out. I love that. That's a great way to think about that. Well, I mean, yeah. everybody who has come to me when I was in my traditional private practice, what are they coming in with? Stress, gut issues, and sleep issues, right? And they mm-hmm. don't realize that they're causing their issues 90% of the time. They set a fluorescent light in front of the screen. And and then, you know, they're doing the thing in beds, doing the scroll, setting it next to them. Yeah. Right. Right. You just have to be disciplined. And, and another message I often tell people is like, you own 
your body and no one's going to protect necessarily you. you it's in your control um, and don't expect someone to protect you like for example the fcc oh cell phone won't hurt you well that's not true <laughs> the fcc decided that what the standard was and it was for three percent of the population yeah well um, i think we've seen the evidence that we need to take health into our own hands and then some yeah of course of well course. dan okay so you're just like I am, you're excited about all the other uh, healthy tech, right? What right. What are your favorite biohacks that you love to combine with Defender Shield? That was a that was one of the most popular uh, questions from my audience. What's Dan doing? I want to know what Dan's doing. <laughs> well, actually, but, but believe it. Well, you, you know better than I do. It's what you eat is what you are. Yeah, so for course. me, my starting point is I I'm pretty disciplined on my eating habits and the kind of foods I eat. Um, I, I try to stay, stay away from uh, uh, calories that don't make sense. Um, and uh, fruits and vegetables, um, uh, balanced meals. Um, so I, I start there. I also exercise. Um, I, I used to do yoga for years. Um, and um, and my hips doesn't let me do that right now. <laughs> but but um, keeping a, a balanced diet, exercising right, and having a solid sleeping pattern, which is, I mean, I go to bed at 10 o'clock whether I'm tired or not. Um, that helps you actually with your cyclic uh, uh, rhythm. And um, I find... The combination of all those things actually does make a difference and yeah. keeps you healthy. I mean, getting back to basics, do your people, do your, um, you know, does your family line trace back to a blue zone? You know, one of the healthiest areas. Are you from the Mediterranean? Actually, my mother is close to mother. She's Italian. Ah. Uh, and, and, uh, and my father's French. Okay. Uh, well, descendants. hello. There you go. Then <laughs> good food, get some light, get some sleep. Right. Yeah. And, and, and Christine, you just said it light. You, you get your vitamin D from light, get out, exercise, enjoy the sun. And it's doing far more than keeping you healthy. It's keeping you balanced. Uh, well, and healthy. You've already bestowed so many words of wisdom, but what do you want to leave folks with today? There's so much going on in the world. I mean, there's this message of getting back to basics, but what would you like to leave folks with today? I wasn't kidding when I said, we're the architects of our own destiny. And we can't hope that someone else is going to make sure that we have the right things in our life. Um, and so for me, it's like, take control of your, your environment and control as much as you can and don't worry about what you can't. Um, the other thing I also uh, talk about is make sure you take that, that you understand what it is that life's all about. Um, when you get close to um, a serious problem with your health, the first thing you think about is the most important things in your life. Those are your family and friends. It's not the job you did. It's not the great talk you gave. It's your relationship with your family and friends. So make sure you treat that with respect and keep all your family and friends close. Aw, I love that. That's always the most important thing. Yeah, people don't realize it. 
Yeah. Until it's too late. Well, thank you, Dan. This is so awesome. Thanks for being here. And thanks for just being you. I really appreciate who you are and the way that you, uh, you know, you just make everything so conversational. You're really great at making all the science tangible. And I appreciate that about you. It's a, it's a real skill. It is. Well, th- thank you so much. Uh, it, it was when I realized is that, that that's what uh, I, I was maybe a conduit for. Um, I sort of stayed on the technical side for so many years, but it was important for all of us to understand it. And I certainly didn't understand it until I started paying attention. And my goal was to help people understand. Well, you're pretty darn likable. I love talking to you. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, Keep entering into those conversations with people everywhere. Thank you. All okay, right. Thank you well, very much. For being with us today. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. I really do, did enjoy it. And you're a wonderful conversationist as well. I'm only as good as you are because you're really good. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll have the next one. Like I said, uh, you know, maybe in a sunny spot over some really good coffee or tea. <laughs> Yeah, and, and we'll talk about 5G. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'll just sit back and listen, and hopefully <laughs> yeah, we'll just hit record. And the discussion I'm going to have with Musk about his, uh, you know, 23 gigahertz signals coming to Earth. Oh, my gosh. I don't I don't even know if I'm ready to talk about that yet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, probably Dan. right. Well, okay. Thanks again. We'll talk to you more soon. I can't wait to share this with the audience. You be awesome. Okay, thank you. Thank All you. Right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye.